And at this time, we'll now move to our scripture reading. And for those of you who have been with us, you know that we're going through the Old Testament prophetic book of Jonah. And here to help us with our reading, Sarah. Our reading today is from Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented to the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. One of the most common plot lines, either in film or in literature, is the, the quest plot. And the, the quest plot is made up of several components. It involves someone, some protagonist or hero who is called to leave his home, go to some other place, to some other people who need help, experiences troubles, struggles, adversity along the way, finally reaches the destination and completes the task. It is the plot line in the books you've read, Lord of the Rings, The Iliad, The Wizard of Oz, in the movies that you've watched, Finding Nemo, The Princess Bride, and movies like that. It's, it's also the plot line in the book of Jonah. God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and to preach the message that God will give to him. And so he, le- he leaves. And along the way, he faces adversity and struggles, first in the form of a sea storm, and then in the form of a sea monster. Finally, he arrives, as we find him in our passage this morning, at Nineveh. He walks into Nineveh, preaching a very simple message that God gives to him. And within three days, the entire city is transformed, radically transformed. It's an, ex- it's an extraordinary story. And the story is really here to teach us one basic lesson. And, and that lesson is this, that God loves people and he loves to save people. But what's also wild is that he loves to work through people, loves to use people 
to carry, to embody the message of his love and grace to people who need it, who desperately need it. Someone like Jonah and someone like you this morning. Now, you might be skeptical. You might say to yourself, how could God ever use a person like me? Listen, if God could use a reluctant, stubborn, headstrong prophet like Jonah, who didn't really even want to go in many ways to Nineveh, he can certainly use a person like you. And don't you want to know how? I mean, don't, don't you want to know what it, what it means to be caught up in something big and transcendent? Something that will impact people's lives now and forevermore. Something that will transform this city. How? How? This morning we're going to see in our story three things that you need. Three things that you need to be a city changer. First, you're, you're going to need to be recaptured by God's grace. Second, you'll need to do something with God's calling on your life. And third, you're, you're going to need to get his power. So first, you need to be recaptured by God's grace. Jonah was. Chapter 2 ends this way. The Lord commanded a great fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. I've sometimes wondered to myself, maybe you have too, what it must have been like for Jonah to be barfed onto a beach by a great fish. You know, in my mind's eye, I see him lying there, blinking, squinting his eyes in the bright sun, dripping with water, covered with the reek of decaying marine life, and amazed, amazed that he's actually alive. I mean, it's not everybody who gets swallowed by a gigantic fish and lives to, uh, to tell the tale. In fact, uh, in my research, I've found just two people who claim to have been swallowed by a fish and stayed in the fish's belly for a few days. But you know, I'm skeptical. You, you, just, you don't get swallowed by a big fish and, and survive. You just don't tend to do that. But Jonah did, and he's amazed. He's amazed that he's alive. But what's even more amazing, perhaps, is what happens next. What happens next? This is how our passage begins. The word of, Lord, of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now, I also did some research on the word second, and this is what I discovered. The word second means that which comes after the first, but maybe you knew that. It means, again, it means another time, and God comes to Jonah with Another word saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it the message that I will give to you. This, this is amazing because even though Jonah has disobeyed God, even though Jonah has run away from God, even though Jonah made a very foolish decision that, that really um, jeopardized the lives of, of other people, God doesn't cut him loose. God doesn't say, you know, Jonah, you blew it. I'm going to go find myself another prophet in Israel, somebody who will obey me the first time. No, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Why? Because God is the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. He is a God of grace. He wants Jonah to get and understand grace to be recaptured 
by this grace, the grace of a God of grace. And that's, that's just not how our world operates. When you fail or when you're, you're, when someone says you failed, what do we do with people like that? We, we tend to demote them. We take away their responsibilities. We walk them to the door with their stuff. We say, thank you very much. Goodbye. That's how we treat people who fail. But not God. God is the God of second chances. He's a God of grace. In fact, he does some of his best work through people who have failed miserably <laughs> and who actually know it. You know, before God can do his, his, some of his great work through the world, he, he has to go to people and work in people uh, who, have, who have really blown it and, and who have experienced the humbling. Because when people who get God's grace, when they really get it, that's when they're in a position to, to actually give it. When I was a young man, uh, a lot younger than I am today, uh, I, I really thought that God was going to use me to do extraordinary things. And I was, so, I was so sure of myself, of my gifts, of my abilities. You know, I, I thought to myself that God, even God was free to join me if he wanted to. And uh, that was before the humbling. That, that's before I, I had some setbacks, we'll say. That, that was before I realized, uh, was awakened to my desperate need for God's grace. Maybe this morning you've had some setbacks. Maybe there have been some moral struggles and failures in your life and you're thinking to yourself, how, how could God ever use me? Such a person as I am, such, such a person as I've proven myself to be, how could God ever use a person like me? Listen, God is a God of grace and he loves to move and move in power in people's lives who have blown it and, and to use them to carry and embody his grace to people who need it. You know, our failures don't disqualify us from God doing a good work through us. In fact, in some ways, they prepare us. I'm not encouraging you to be reckless with your lives. I'm just saying that God is bigger than our failures, isn't he? I mean, he's proven that through his son, Jesus Christ, giving his son for our sins. And if he gave him for our sins, will he not continually give himself to us in his grace for the sake of the city? If you want to be a city changer, if you want to be somebody who is mapping on to God's great work in the world around you, it really does require a recapturing of God's grace in your life. You've got a choice. You can do two things with your failures. You can either um, just wallow in self-pity and, and self-condemnation. But that's no good. It's not going to help anybody. It's not God's best for you. It's not his will for you. It's not what he wants. Instead, you can, you can just awaken and be amazed, re-amazed by the grace of God that he would use, wants to use, a person just like you to embody and carry his message of hope to those who need it. Amen? Amen. Well, that's the first thing. Here, here's a second thing that you'll need to be a city changer, um, and it's this. You, you're going to need to do something 
with God's calling in your life. You're going to need to do something with God's calling in your life. And that's what Jonah did. Notice how it says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And this is the word that God gave to him. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and, and cry out against it with the message that I will give to you. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. Listen very carefully to what it says here in the passage. It says that the word of God came to Jonah a second time. It, it, came, it came to Jonah. It, it, God's calling is a very personal calling. God's a calling God. He, he calls people to himself And then when he calls people to himself, he calls them to go out into the world as his representatives to embody and proclaim the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's God's calling on Jonah and on your life is a very personal calling. God didn't call somebody else. He called Jonah. And Jonah was a person who grew up in Israel. He had very specific parents. He grew up and had very specific experiences and an education. And and there was nobody like Jonah. God's calling on your life is is very purposeful and personal. He calls you. He, He makes you who you are. He gives you your experiences. He gives you your transformation and growth and the opportunities to serve him. Everything about it is completely dovetailed uh, to who you are and who God has made you and shaped you to be. You are God's workmanship in Jesus Christ for good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to, to walk in. That's who God is. You're not mass produced. You're not cloned. His calling on your life is personal and purposeful. And God wants and longs and loves to work through who you are, who he's made you to be, to carry and embody the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to a city in need. That's God's calling in your life. God called Jonah to go to the city. God's calling you. Now, what do you do with that calling? Well, you've got to do something with that calling. Jonah did. Jonah heard the word of the Lord. That was his call. He got up, he rose, and he went. He went three days into the city proclaiming that message. A message of repentance. Yet 40 days, he said, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Which doesn't sound like an incredibly positive message. It sounds a bit negative. But... The way that prophecy works in the Bible is when the prophet says something bad's going to happen, that doesn't mean that there's no room for change. And the people of Nineveh understood that there was the hope or the possibility of change. And therefore, they believed. They believed. In fact, the king believed. The most powerful person in the entire world believed. And ordered a decree that everyone should should fast and not drink and turn from the evil in their hearts and from the violence in their hands. The entire city was transformed in a matter 
of days. Amazing. You see, God's calling in your life is something which he, he calls you to live out, to, to do something with. And so the question is, who has God made you? And where has he located you right now in, in this world? And, and how has he called you to interface with this world in a way that only you can? So that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can, can be published to people who really need it. And for our city to be changed. And, and I mean radically, radically so. I, I, I know that when I say such things, and you, maybe you hear these things, there are objections. And uh, let's call them the two objections. Uh, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too unqualified. Uh, too difficult. Th- these are objections I, I, I tell myself, so I understand them. I'm too, I'm too busy. Life is busy. We're busy people. And when we come home or when we're home, we're just, we're tired. We're busy people. And it's COVID, so it's, it's extra difficult. But my question is, how is it that we could ever be so busy, too busy, that we have no room, no margin to interact, intersect with people's lives and to help them understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? If, if our lives, if our schedules are so busy that we have no room to interact with the world around it, to be salt in life, we, I think we need to rethink our lives and our schedule. Because there's no way, there's no way that the busyness of my life should preclude the, the, the need that I have, the need that, that people have for the grace of God to go forward. We have to rethink things. Too busy. I'm too tired. You are tired. And some of you are whipped. And I'm certainly not here today to to make you feel guilty. You know, look, there are times in our lives when we do need to rest. And for our batteries to be restored. If you need to do that, if you need to be restored, if you need to get away, if you want to go away, just go away, have a great time, be restored. But maybe we need to rethink our lives too, friends. And maybe we need to recalibrate. Because if we are chronically too tired to even want to spend time with people who need grace, then we really, I think, need to question a few things in our lives. Does that make sense? I'm too unqualified. I'm too unqualified. How could God use a person like me? Listen, (laughs) look at God used Jonah. Jonah wasn't even good at his job. Jonah went in and just, he preached this message. He didn't even want to go in. And yet, look what God did through him. And look at, if God could do something extraordinary through a guy like Jonah, he can certainly do it through you and me. You know, God doesn't need great talents and great uh, abilities. What he needs is, is just humble people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and to say, Lord, would you just use me uh, wherever you want to use me? 
so that people can can see and smell the fragrance of Christ coming through me. Would you would you do that? And and maybe we say it's just too difficult. I mean, maybe you're saying to me this morning, you are aware that we're in the middle of a, a pandemic. Yeah, I'm aware of that. Uh, I'm aware of the fact that we have certain limitations. But he, listen, if if God has called you to be, if he's called you to be right now at this time in history, if he's put you on the stage of history at this time, which includes COVID, then surely God has a plan that takes into account COVID and and, and he could use you even in this time of COVID. It, it is a difficult time. We're social distancing. But surely, surely the God who is sovereign over COVID can open doors that we can't even believe or imagine could be open for us. Could God do that? Listen, God's a calling God. Like Jonah, he calls us. He calls us into the city. He calls us to move forward, to move towards people. And to do so with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and who knows what God can do? I mean, look at, look at what happens in this story. Jonah walks in and he preaches a message. He preaches a message. And three days later, the entire city is transformed. How? How does that kind of thing happen? This was the biggest, the largest, the most powerful city in the world. It was impenetrable. Nobody walked in and took over a place like Nineveh. Nobody. But Jonah did. How? And this gets to the third thing I want us to see this morning, and it's this. That to be a city changer, we need to get the power of God. We need to get the power of God. I mean, how else do you explain what happens in this story? How else do you explain it? How do you explain an entire city turning to the Lord in faith and repenting of their sin and changing their ways? How do you explain this radical transformation? How do you explain the king, the most powerful man in the known world, getting down off his throne, humbling himself, throwing sackcloth and ash, decreeing that the entire city should repent and fast? How does this happen? It had to be the power of God. It wasn't Jonah. God used Jonah, but it was ultimately God's, it had to be God's power. I mean, it was foolish. What, jo- what Jonah did was foolish. He walked into Nineveh with a foolish message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Why did they not kill him? <laughs> like they would anybody else. And they were brutal, they were. Google it. It was the power of God coming down for a, just a brief period of time in history upon the city of Nineveh. And friends, that's always the way that it is. It's not by our might. It's not by our strength. It's not by our our ability that things will be changed in our city. It has to be a movement of the Spirit of God in power on our city. And that's always the way that it's been. It's always 
the way it will be. We are people who need grace. And that grace, hear this, has been shown to us supremely by Jesus Christ, who went to this city, the city of this world, who left heaven to come to us and to die on a cross for our sins to bring us to God. He came into the city, not just preaching, but laying his life down for the city. And that, my friends, is where the power comes from. The power to change a city comes from Christ. And so, three things I want to encourage you to do as I wrap up this morning and as we conclude this chapter. First of all, think. Pray and act. First, think. Think about who you are. Think about how God has made you. Think about his calling on your life. Where has God placed you? Who has he put you around, you see? And, and, and think outside the box. How could I be used of God at this time in history, where I am, to impact the city for good? How? Think. Think. Two, pray. Because it's not by our, our own ingenuity. It's not by our own strength. It has to be a work of the sovereign power and grace of God. It has to be. And so we pray. Lord, would you open doors? Would you open doors? I can't see them. I, don't, I can't see what doors to walk through. Open the door. And then, Lord, give me the courage to walk through it. Remind me of who I am in Christ. Help me to know that, that, that no, nothing that anybody says ultimately, ultimately matters. All that matters is who you think I am in Christ and who I am in Christ. Pray, pray that God would give you the courage to walk through that door which you pray he will open and then act. Do something. Go out trusting and believing that the God who called you to himself who created you, who, who refashions you in the image of Christ and who loves the city and loves to save people, wants to use you wherever you are as you interface with our city and interface with our city for good. Friends, we serve a great God. We save a great God who loves to save people and who loves to save even everyone, anyone here in our city. Could, could that be true? And could it be true that God this morning wants to use a person like you, whoever you are, wherever God has placed you, to be a carrier of the greatest message in history? The story of God's love for humanity, a love where he gave his own son, to die for people's sins, to bring them to himself. That is the great story, the great plot, the great quest plot. And you get to be part of it. You get to participate in it. May God help us and carry us as we carry that message forward in our city and in our time. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, would you 
remind us this morning that you are a calling God and a God who calls in grace. Help us to know you and help us to know how you've made us. Help us to know how you've made us so that we know where we can interact with this world. And then work through us, Lord. Help us to be courageous. Help us to keep our eyes on Christ, the one who gave himself for us. And Lord, help us to do that so that we might give ourselves to our city. Because our city needs you. Our city needs your grace. Thank you for calling us to partner with you in this great story of grace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.